0: Hey guys, welcome to Volume 3 of Something Unsaid. My name is Ajita and today I'm here with Tavi and Dia who is a member of the social media team. And Sahana is also joining us today and she's an ex-member of Project Kara. Today we're going to be talking about something that's very near and dear to all of us and that is mental health and the arts. So all of us are part of the art community in some way or another and do you want to start off by just talking about what we each do?
1: I am a dancer. I focus mainly on ballet, but I've done a bunch of other styles like tap, African, modern, jazz. And I really, I started dancing when I was about four years old. I started with Indian classical. I did Odyssey for 10 years. And then when I moved to Portland, I picked up ballet.
2: Wow, that's amazing. Um, Yes, I do music. I sing. I play the guitar. I'm a self-taught pianist. So, um, I think it's just, I started singing at a very young age. Music was always like a very big thing in my house. So it's just something that I grew up with.
3: I am a theater kid. I've always loved performing. So I used to do dance and then I went into music. And now I like to do a bit of like musical theater and kind of just do anything that keeps me on stage, honestly. Uh, I
0: do art and I've always done art. It's always been something I loved and it's something I started taking more seriously when I was in like the eighth grade. And I also do theatre, which I started not that long ago, but it's always been something that interests me. So I thought, why not pick it up? Okay, cool. Um, So are you guys planning on taking these forward as professions and doing them seriously or do you think they're just hobbies for you?
1: Um, I'm definitely planning on doing this professionally. I'm currently... In pre professional training, and I hope to hopefully get a contract with a company in about two years. So excited for that. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: I think I've always wanted to do it professionally, but I also sort of, oh. of want to get a degree and do other things just because I think it's like a one in a million chance. <laughs> especially when you sort of grow up in a place like India. Like realistically, um, as a Western musician, you have to be um, careful about sort of having a plan B.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, same thing as what Davi said. It's like, um, you know, the exposure that you get within the theater community is kind of limited in India. and. I'm going to live vicariously th- through you, Tia, because like, I think it's so amazing that you're doing this professionally. Um, I personally know that I'm going to say in like the creative arts, I will be doing something creative professionally, but whether it's going to be theater or just mass communication or media studies, that I'm going to just leave it up to fate and figure it out. Uh, I'm, well, I'm not
0: planning on taking up, a- painting professionally per se I want to do something in the art and design industry I've always like loved the film industry which I guess kind of combines my love for theater into you know my love for art and I'd like to do something like that but not necessarily pure arts
2: yeah I think like with a lot of us, um, I think things start off as a
1: hobby right I think even the art like did you start off just doing dance because you yeah I mean honestly it started off for like the kindergarten that I went to it was just a required class and then my first show, my mom actually, the way she tells the story is really funny because she says that I just froze on stage, and she's like, "Oh, my child is not meant to be a performer." <laughs> then my teacher like went to her and was like, "Nope, can you please put her into like dance classes?" And it was just, I just loved doing it, and then, but I think a part of me, even since I was in like first grade, I always knew that I, I loved it so much, I wanted to do it professionally, but it wasn't until. Because like you said, in India, the exposure, it's really hard to kind of go into professionally. It wasn't until I moved here and started actually like training six days a week that that mental switch went from hobby to like, this is a real possibility. I need to take this seriously.
3: That's insane. So do you think um, like there was any kind of like pressure or like self-inflicted stress that you had when you were switching from, you know, just being a hobby to going into it professionally? Absolutely.
1: And I think that's something that we all kind of experience and that, like, there's the self-inflicted pressure, with even just as a hobby, just to be good at something. But then there's the pressure that you put on yourself because it is going to be your life and it is what's going to make your life. And so you want to be able to make a living off of it. So there's definitely a big change in mentality that I think a lot of artists go through when they make that switch to, like, I'm. this is going to be what I do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of pressure also just from the fact that it's, you know, it's a very uncertain profession to get into, especially with, like, performing arts, right? And you have that pressure of, okay, I need to be really, really good to actually be successful and to stand out. So that's another, like, level of pressure that you have because it's so tough to actually make it, like, Tavi, you were talking about, like, making it. Even Sahana, you touched upon it as well. But I think that even the idea of, like, being successful is just so you know so much of it is up to chance so that's another
3: level of stress because I think think adding on to your
0: sorry (laughs) no it's
2: okay I just I think like with especially with things like um performance right I mean see if if I say that I want to do music or you say you want to do dance there's a lot more that you can do behind the scenes but as a performer I've always felt like there's no in between right either you're like really 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 good and at the top or you're like struggling to put food on your plate yeah. yeah, there is yeah, just there no in between no with performance. And I think for me as well, um, music started off as like, like just a way to express how I was feeling. Like it was an outlet, right? When I was stressed, I used to sit and sing or write. And I think, um, I really didn't care if I was good or not. Like for me, the pressure switch was like really from like zero to hundred, because I think like Sahana's heard me sing like from like six years ago, right? It was not pretty. <laughs> but um i think it it's just i think the minute that you do start taking it seriously for me like the pressure went from nothing to everything mm mm-hmm.
3: Yeah and I think like by definition creative arts are all about like creating and to even like think about penetrating the market you have to produce something completely new so like switching from like just practicing and going with like someone else's art and then trying to make yourself better to like starting something completely by yourself I think that's also just like a crazy switch.
1: Yeah for sure and I think touching on something that other than Sahani kind of touched on it too I think as like dancers and theater kids you have the additional pressure of roles performing roles that have been done hundreds of times for years but you need to do it in a new way in a fresh way and make it personable to you but still stay true to the character somehow and the story I think that kind of adds that additional pressure onto a lot of performance artists of like how do I take this character that's so loved and so well known and then bring something new to it
0: Yeah, for sure. And like, Tavi, you said that once you started taking it seriously, the pressure just like went through the roof, right? And like how it was an outlet for you. And I think that that's something that's probably true for all of us, right? Like we all started loving it because we could express ourselves through it. And it was something that, you know, really helped us show the way we're feeling in a creative way. But I think that doing it professionally kind of makes it lose out on the emotional expression part because there's so much at stake now and you can't just be like, oh, this makes me feel happy or like, you know, "This, this is something that I was feeling. So I just put it out like there has to be a whole other level of like, okay, how do I make this something that people will like? How do I, you know? It's not just for you anymore. It's like suddenly everyone's
1: judging your emotional outlet and everyone's judging your emotions. Yeah. Yeah. I think like their emotions have to be worthy of attention
2: exactly I feel like it still is a way of showing emotion I feel like if it wasn't we wouldn't be doing it anymore
0: mm-hmm,
2: right because sure. it's like like Sahana I'm sure that when you're on stage like, you still you know feel what you need to feel when you like you know do your lines and stuff like that like I know that when I sing somebody told me that my voice is 70% emotion and 30% talent <laughs> yeah, that's probably true right so it's it is still like that but i think the way that you look at it like what dia said about like your emotions have to be worthy of attention right you have to portray your emotions in a way that isn't just for yourself but for everybody watching
3: yeah, yeah and it's it's rather paradoxical you know like you have to be emotive but you have to somehow be in emotive in a way that it actually appeals to people and like that actually brings me to a whole other like Line of conversation. It's like, how do you portray yourself in the best way possible? It's like sometimes you have to go through like so many layers of transformation to kind of appeal to like a big audience. Mm-hmm. And I feel like now in like this whole social media era, we're gonna have to like completely revamp the way that we portray our art forms. Like, even with attention span and like going from like full on monologues to just 15 second reels, it's like kind of insane. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And like you said, with social media
3: and like, you know, all of this publicity
0: and this platform that people have now, there's like a whole expectation of the way you're supposed to be as well. Like, if you look at all the the successful music artists and actors nowadays, like, the way they're portrayed is like, they're not just artists, they're not just known for their art, right? They're also personalities, people to them. And like, even the way that they're presented in media, it's like, overly sexualized and they're like you know a lot of it is about how you look and like you know how sellable you are and how appealing you are so I think that that's also another like weird
1: (laughs) hurdle that we have to face oh my god yeah for sure as a dancer my entire job is my body Mm
3: -hmm. and I think
1: like dancers have we have the highest percentage of eating disorders and body dysmorphia that students develop because There's such a specific mold that you have to somehow fit into. And I think very recently there was a bit of like a social media, like uproar that was kind of started by a teacher that I came from her name is Catherine Morgan. She's a very successful ballet dancer. And she was talking about her. She is one of the most well-known dancers. And even she nearly got fired from a company for being too big. She's like a size two. She's a dress size two. I'm a dress size two. And I've still faced kind of discrimination in classrooms of like you need to get stronger, you need to get fitter. You kind of look at yourself and you're like, I can't post videos of myself dancing. Mm-hmm. And so there is that whole side of how do you present yourself and making yourself worthy to other people when your entire job, when you don't have words to express yourself and it's all your body, you need to make mm-hmm. your body appealing to the audience for them to listen to your emotions.
2: Yeah, I think like a lot of the times when you start getting professional about this, not even professional, like um, if you're sharing things in public, whether it is as a hobby or in like a professional manner, I think it becomes a lot more than just your art form, right? It's not just about how you dance anymore. It's not just about how you sing or how you paint. It's about how you present yourself and like how you come across to other people, right? Because like I'm like very honestly can't think of a single successful like like orthodoxly unattractive, um, like like musician, like I just I can't think of it, right? And it's like, yeah. it's crazy how you know it's just you. There's so much more like than just being talented. Like you have to meet like this insane list of like criteria before you can be like a successful artist.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a really one of the most famous ballet schools in the mm-hmm. world, the Vaganova in Russia. They do their admissions I think at the age of eleven. And what they look at in the, like, admissions process is they look at the child and then look at their parents to predict how the child will develop and see if their bone structure is going to be right or if their face is going to be attractive enough. And no. you can get what? let go from that oh. school for not being attractive enough. Oh,
3: my God. That's insane.
1: insane. That's
3: so yeah. intense. <laughs> Yeah, and and it's like something like,
1: you can't control, right? Even if you're insanely yeah, talented. Yeah. Wow. exactly. And it's it's really sad because I'm lucky enough that I didn't, well, actually, this is the first time I've actually called it lucky for saying this, but um, so- I only started ballet four years ago, so I didn't have to grow up under those standards. Mm. But I have a lot of friends that have left it and stopped their art form because of the pressures of being trying to go pre-professional from the age of like seven. Oh my oh. God
2: that's a lot of pressure like for an adult so I can't even imagine what it's like for like a
0: child yeah and like that being all you know as you grow up I'm sure that just like affects you in such a negative way and like
1: yeah I know so many like very very talented dancers that just stopped and are not going to pursue it anymore because they've had like 14-15 years of constantly judging every part of themselves
2: Mm-hmm. Wow, I feel like that really would impact like your outlook on other things as well, right? Because like the competition within like the industry and stuff with like people that you want to call your friends and I think you're constantly being pitted against
3: not
1: just yourself, but everybody around you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I go to an art school and something that I've noticed just being surrounded by artists every day is all artists kind of develop this duality of personality where they're equally egotistical but incredibly self-deprecating at the same time somehow Mm -hmm. especially performance artists because we have to constantly output this energy for an audience and have that confidence and be outgoing but at the same time you have that like internal battle of your emotions and trying to figure out what you want to do and how you're going to do it
0: yeah and i think i've heard someone i'm not sure who said this but i heard someone say you can't have friends in the art industry and that's because you're just like no matter what you do even if no one is pitting you against each other you're gonna inherently feel a sense of competition like oh are they doing something that i should be doing and like i've Especially studied that's
1: a limited market
0: yeah exactly and i've i've studied art for like i think like five years now and i like My classmates are some of my best friends, like, these are the people that I think are closest to me in my life, but, like, whenever I look at their art, I'm always trying to see, like, what I can do better to, like, Mm -hmm. not to compete with them, but just to, like, elevate my own art, and, like, are they doing something that, like, I can use as well, and, like, you can call it being inspired by them, but it's also, like, there is a sense of, like, jealousy. Yeah, like, yeah.
2: I think, like, Mm -hmm. that's unavoidable, honestly. Like, most of my closest friends are also musicians. And sometimes it's not even, like, a jealousy or, like, an envy, right? It's just, like, I think when you're sort of all gunning for, like, the same opportunities all the time and you Mm -hmm. lose out, it's, like, gonna make you feel like there's something that you're not doing that they are. And, like, it's whether you want to or not, I think you end up feeling that way.
0: Yeah. And, like, with art for me, like I said, I'm taking it as a subject. We get graded on this. So when someone, like, Like, when someone does better than you, you're trying to figure out, like, okay, like, how do I, like, what am I not doing that's, like, helping me get there, right? Like, there's a sense of, like, okay, like, what do I need to do differently to stand out? What do I need to do differently? And you're being graded on it, on such, like, a for for something as, like, creative as art, something that as subjective as art, how do you grade it in such a rigid structure? And, like, how do you kind of overcome that and, you know?
1: Yeah. tackle that
0: I'm sure you would be able to understand since you go to an yeah, art school
1: actually I mean yeah so I go to an art school and the way that the classes are set up for most students is we have school from eight to two o'clock and we have four classes a day and for me two of those classes are academic and two of them are arts or like dance classes and I switched and I took film for two and a half years so I've taken about four film classes so being graded on And art that you're so new at is really, it's difficult. Like you have like teachers trying to give you feedback and critiques on your films that are so personal and they're not beyond like a certain level of technique that you really can't, you can't grade art. It's so individualistic to each person. It's.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like the one thing that I always tell myself to make myself feel better especially when I'm like pitting myself against someone I always kind of tell myself that like, you know, everyone has their niche and like within any art, like you can always find differences and you can always find that personality from each person. But then the second that you start like using like standardized measures to actually like grade people and put them in boxes, it's like, you're removing that individuality. And Mm -hmm. like, it also kind of takes away from like the whole, you know, everyone's unique, everyone has something to bring to the table. And that's like the beauty of art. So kind of, it's terrible that we do this. Yeah, because I think art is such like a
2: subjective thing, right? Because what you guys might like is something I may not like and vice versa. But I think like Sahana said, right? Um, A lot of art forms, I think you sort of do like with ballet, I'm sure like there is a standard that you have to uphold, right? So you are within like a box and you have to stick to it. Like if you step outside, I don't know how that would be received. And even with like music and stuff like that, right? Um, I think I've done one graded exam my entire life. I hated it. I don't plan to do it ever again <laughs> because it's sort of like you know when um, when you're getting graded on something that is so subjective, right? It's how I sound. He may just like the examiner just on the day might not have liked it, right? Yeah. And or also like, you could have just had like a sore
1: throat that day, and that threw you off. It's... Exactly. I think that's another thing is a lot of art competitions and you look at like the scoring guide and you see there's always always it will be like artism is one of the scores. How do you score that, how do you score their level of creativity and like their level sure. of emotion. Sure you yeah. can score technique technical proficiency you can score all of that stuff but how do you give that score and it's something I've always wanted about the judges it's like how do you say yes this person their emotions are good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's like judging books
3: only for like the grammar and the language that they use and not thinking about like the plot and the characters
1: and like Mm -hmm. all those depths and and the and like the audience's response to it because I think that's something that I can say for all artists is your audience is such a big part of what you do for me Mm -hmm. I dance to perform I dance to kind of elicit some kind of emotional reaction from the audience if I can make a second of change, make someone happier for a second or make someone think about something, that's, I've done my job. Yeah. And so it's so hard to predict that. Yeah. That and I think the whole thing of like stage presence and star quality, it's that whole, like, how do you go about that? Yeah. And I think it's interesting that you bring that up because the pandemic has affected
0: artists in such a big way. And like, you've kind of lost that direct interaction and the presence of the audience and like you know being in the same room and sharing the same energy. So that's also like really affected artists mentally, right? You might not have because performing online is not the same as performing in person, like for sure. So how how have you guys dealt with it and what have you felt during the pandemic? Well
3: theatre is like such a in-person activity like you need to thrive off of the energy that everyone's like giving mm-hmm. you and you need to have that like bonding time
1: mm-hmm. and
3: um, at the end of last year I had to direct a film from my drama school and it was so crazy and so hard to do because on one hand i did get really important interactions with people that i wouldn't have got if i was um in a physical setting and i had to i could like actually go with like precise detailing like you know put your camera like this and had to follow them around with like my laptop you know using zoom like throughout all kinds of parts of their house and their communities so that was interesting and it was different for sure but on the other hand, it's like, I would have really liked to just move your shoulder a little bit down and not spend 15 minutes trying to direct That's you awesome. to that. And you know, I think it's just doing theater in um, a physical setting. You actually like understand the emotions and you understand like why you're doing a scene and when you can see someone else reacting with you. Um, like in my theater class that we had to do virtually this year, um, I had to perform a duologue with someone And it was like this one heavy emotional scene and we were like arguing and everything. And we had to devise like a bunch of different ways to do it virtually. Like I had to slam a book in his face and I had to like pretend to do that. And he had to react like a TikTok with like getting the book from his end. And it was so hard, you know, it was interesting. But I still wouldn't prefer to do that scene in two seconds rather than spending 20 minutes on it. <laughs> if
1: you know how to like yeah. whack someone with a book over the internet, please teach me your ways. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I think, that, I think like what you said about it being an experience, right? At the end of the day, I think all of us have learned something new throughout the whole thing. Right? like um, I had like a recording set of stuff that I hadn't touched before like the pandemic because now it's like, okay, like I can't be on stage. So this is the only way I'm going to be able to get my music out. But um, I think it's just like what we spoke about earlier, right? Like eliciting emotions and stuff. It's hard in person as well to judge how the other person's feeling. But in a way, it's still easier, right? You can, like if I see someone dancing and sometimes I think some people, like you can really feel the emotion of them and online that is so much harder. Yeah, it's so like if yeah, I want to sure. feel what I'm feeling, like I, I don't know how to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think another part of like, yeah, again, we're all performing artists. We thrive off of the audience's response. And when you have, I'm sure Sahani have experienced this, when you have pre recorded shows, you don't get that mental satisfaction of opening night and closing night. Like I think this year I co directed a satire show and we pre recorded and edited the entire thing and then it premiered. And I was just sitting there and I'm like, I've worked on the show since October and now it's just over. And there was no kind of closure to the show and have that going through that entire process, okay. which I think is probably affecting a lot of like dancers and theater kids and just performers.
3: And I think your skill sets vary like crazy when you're like operating virtually. It's like, you know, when you're on stage, you have a certain thing, like a certain rubric to follow. You have to make sure that you're performing and you're giving your all just with your performance and how you're emoting. But um, when it comes to like virtual performances, you have to think about, do I mute myself at this time or two seconds later? And um, I had to do a show virtually and like it was live and it was so hard because I wasn't focusing on how I was performing but rather um you know okay I have to play the song at this second and I have to make sure that I don't play anything else on my computer at this time so like, you have to like go more into the technical side of things and Favi, I'm sure like you know how this feels but like recording music is so much different than like performing on stage like you can be such a perfectionist like you go off yeah. for a second and you have to re-record but if you're on stage you can kind of get away with it <laughs> i get yeah. that yeah, I, you just know, tell
1: like, yourself that the rest of it was good but <laughs> yeah
2: yeah i think when you record as well maybe just because um so i play with a band right and the biggest change for me was not being able to do that because um mm. i mean unfortunately there's no software that you can like all play together and it lags and it's like horrible we tried but um and so now like it's like you know like relying on karaoke tracks and just like the one instrument i can play it's so much harder right because like all your imperfections vocally are so much like more prominent
3: mm-hmm.
2: so i think yeah like the recording versus like actually being able to perform things it's like this huge difference yeah but yeah, Ataka, I think- what's it like for you because um like doing fine art and stuff like how much of a difference did it make having to do art classes like online
0: so doing the classes itself online like with online school was awful so like I just finished the 11th grade and like normally in our curriculum we would have had to do two components so there was one like year-long like coursework and then there was like another shorter project and like everything just took so much longer than it normally would like if we were in person like it's, it's more immediate right like you know how people are reacting to it because they're sitting right there <laughs> and like you know you're not alone that's a big thing like you're not just like sitting by yourself and you're the only person looking at your art also like getting feedback is just it just took so much longer and by the end of it we couldn't do the second component we had to like get an exemption but like everything was just so much more delayed and you know like you can't like I mean some would say that doing fine art is like we were a bit luckier during the pandemic because it is like a visual medium and like it's not like a performance and you don't really go off of the artist's energy and stuff you kind of just like get in um a reaction from so in that sense we were a bit luckier because you can just like take a good photo and people would kind of be able to make out what you're doing but it's still like i would say it's still different than being there in person because going to museums and galleries is something that i really loved doing before the pandemic and like I did, I attended like a virtual art exhibition, and it just wasn't the same. Like when you're there in person, a you can see like things like the size, right? You know how it like scales com- in comparison to you. The textures, things like that, also do contribute in like the way you react to it. So I feel like it just took a layer of complexity off the entire like art world. And, it was... mm-hmm. and yeah, like, I think.
1: And like another I'm... point that you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, go on, go on. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just about to say that, like, I think that that also kind of brings up the point of being online. Does this, like, change the way that artists create their art? Like, to be in a way that A is easier for the audience to react to, and B is something that'll, like, either go viral or would something that would be more, like, you know, appealing to a larger audience. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think reformatting our artwork has been interesting because now I went from like having an entire stage to suddenly having to fit it within a camera frame, Mm -hmm. especially when dance could have been so three dimensional. How do you make those movements appealing when they're two dimensional and it's a flat and you don't have that sense of like four planes of movement. But I think Mm -hmm. another point that you made was other people around you and that makes all the difference. Yeah. We feed, we're, we're artists we feed off of energies and especially the energies of other people like I'm sure Sahana and Tevi you understand the, like, just the energies of being backstage and that anticipation mm-hmm. of the adrenaline mm-hmm. I was lucky enough that today was my first day back in a studio in, in a year wow. and it wow. was me and the other dancers and it was I think that was the best that I felt in months I got to, to have, have some semblance of normal <laughs> I said this before, yeah. but I'm living vicariously through you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'll, I'll just bring you to my next class and you guys can dance with me. Please. Please. I will yeah. dance, but I'll watch you.
3: Yeah, and I think I really like the point that you made, Adita, about like, you know, looking at galleries and things like that. I think inspiration is another thing mm. that was like really hard to come by in the last year because... Um, I'm also a writer. And so um, in the last year, I, you know, I generally write better when I can actually like be in like outside, experience the world and have real interactions with people and actually Mm -hmm. use them and put them in my writing. But it's just been so dry in the past year doing absolutely nothing in my house. Every day is so monotonous. It's like how do you make a good idea pop into your head when you're really doing nothing?
0: Yeah. yeah. And like after a point, you kind of do feel exhausted because you're looking at the same space, right? Like how do you draw inspiration from something you're so familiar with? And like, while that could be a social, like inspiration, like you could do something with that. It's just, it's not the same as like finding something you've never seen before. And you know, yeah. like, Oh my God, my horizons have been broadened, and this is an entire new, like, <laughs> area for me to explore yeah. like that feeling is sort of gone
1: yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned like feeling bored and exhausted have you guys kind of experienced like a loss of morale and drive to keep going at your art to the click through quarantine because yeah. I know that I've had days where I just cannot bring myself to take class and I'm just like I feel I feel that guilt of like I should be going better I should be improving but I've just kind of it just stayed stagnant this entire year
2: yeah yeah, I think for the first six months of quarantine, I just did not do any music. Like, I stopped writing, I didn't sing. Whatever I was doing was like, you know, there would be like one event at school and someone would be like, hey, can you record something for this? But that was it, just because I could not get myself to do anything.
0: Mm. I think for me, it was kind of the opposite. I because in the be- Yeah, in the beginning of quarantine, I was feeling really like, motivated and inspired and I was like oh my god I have all of this time all of a sudden I can finally do what I've been wanting to do and like I kind of went crazy in the first like three months of quarantine I made like three giant murals in my house I like you wow. know I, I did a bunch of stuff I made like I was making a lot of work okay and I was really excited about it but then like I don't know if it was because of school starting or what it was but after a point I was just like nah I, I can't be asked like I'm not doing that. And I kind of just stopped and, you know, I'm trying yeah, there's to get definitely back a bit it. of a
1: slow burn with the mm-hmm. exhaustion because it started out of like, oh, I need to stay in shape. I need to keep my like the movements in my body so that when I when I can get back in the studio. And at that time, I was ridiculously optimistic. And I was like, well, I'll get back <laughs> in the studio in like a couple months. Right. And then <laughs> it's kind of like slowly builds up on you and you just kind of slowly lose that energy and like sahana mentioned it's so hard to come by the inspiration to keep going and find that new kind of wave of energy and light
2: yeah yeah i think like um for me as well like i do agree with that because i think once you have like a turning point there's a lot that i think i learned through just being at home as well like things like um i was never very good at like doing my own harmonies and stuff and like recording which is like a big part of music right but i think like being stuck at home so even though you know you can't be on stage and stuff I feel like once you get yourself out of that loop of you know feeling mm-hmm. sad and upset and you know the whole self-pity cycle that I think everyone has gone on at some point mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> to Snap out of that I think you learn and I, I personally have learned a lot as well just like you know being stuck at home
3: yeah I think from like a different perspective I I learned a lot like about myself and appreciating myself and like a lot of self-love happen (laughs) because I think um you know listening to your own voice and recording and like noticing those um mistakes and then re-recording and then learning to appreciate even like the minor flaws that only you can probably detect and um you know watching self tapes of me performing and like actually um figuring out that it doesn't really matter how I look when I'm performing it's how my face is bending into like different emotions and it's not so much about like the superficial beauty aspect. And I think those things I really did learn
1: from. I have a lot of respect for you for being able to appreciate your flaws. That's it something that was hard. hard. It was it was hard. <laughs> I watch back videos. I, I film every single practice session that I do so I can watch back. And it is the hardest experience of my life. Cause I know that it's important, but watching yourself and picking out every single small flaw. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> props to you for getting to a point where you can appreciate that because that's so important Mm -hmm. yeah
2: for sure well on that very positive note i think we should end today's episode um thank you guys for listening and check out our socials at project.cada and our website and we'll see you in the next episode